Welcome to the Mercy Cast, where we're learning the art of compassion through the adversity of life. I'm your host, Raleigh Sadler. And over the past 10 years, I've started a nonprofit that helps people better care for their most vulnerable neighbors. Along the way, I've met a lot of friends who are on a similar journey, each of us learning new things about ourselves and each other with the more adversity that we face. Today, I want to talk about moving forward when you don't know how. There are so many times where our lives hit a wall and we just want to quit. We don't know how to continue. We don't know how to carry on. But today, we're going to learn about the art of resilience. As a result of the pandemic, her nonprofit organization lost a significant amount of funding and forced her to make a difficult decision. She gave up her salary to keep the operations moving forward. At that moment, her options became one, either take a random J-O-B and give up what she had spent the last five years building, or two, give it all she had and fight to keep her dream alive. Courtney chose to fight. She felt like she was at rock bottom and was terrified, not knowing if she'd be able to climb out of it, but she chose to move forward. Today, I am joined by Courtney Adams, the founder of the Rise Collective, working with vulnerable people in Romania. Courtney, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. So for our listeners, I think it's important for you to know that Courtney was one of the first people that I met when I moved to New York to start Let My People Go. Yeah, like that was that was a flashback. That was a while ago. <laughs> yes, it was it was a long time ago. And I remember meeting you and we kind of connected on this idea of fighting human trafficking, but we were also had an eye to vulnerable populations. And I'm so interested in your story because it reveals a question that many of us who are in spheres where we're helping people deal with on a daily basis. How do I move forward when I feel like I'm saddled with stress or when things hit me from out of nowhere and the hits keep on coming? How do I keep going? I know as a nonprofit leader that the pandemic was kind of a one-two punch in some ways. Yes, it impacted funding, but it also impacts our lives. So it kind of addresses our deepest insecurities. None of us knew how to manage that uncertainty. And so for you, life changed, funding dried up, you chose to move forward when most would be paralyzed. Tell me what motivated you to take that first step into the unknown? Yeah, I definitely was at a crossroads as a result of the pandemic, like you just said. and. I think for me, I sat in that moment where it was like, okay, I have the option of fighting really hard and trying to figure out how to keep this dream alive, or I kind of let it all go. And maybe I start over in the US and get a job and, you know, try to build a different life. But for me, I knew that it really came down to what was true and authentic for me, what was going to be the most fulfilling thing for me. And It did not take a lot of thought to know the answer to that, which was, I'm going to fight really hard to see if I can keep this dream alive. Like I've already put five plus years of my life into this. I have this incredible community of girls that we serve in Romania. Like I'm not going to just walk away from it because that is who I am. It's what fulfills me. It's my passion. And there's just really no other option. 
you mentioned what is true and authentic for you. I think this is such an interesting platform to work from because so many of us, we can focus on getting things done when we're not operating out of who we are. Could you explain a little bit more of what you mean about being true and authentic when it points to your vocation? Yeah. So I think, you know, the more rooted and grounded we can become in ourselves and the more that we get to know ourselves, that that we build out that relationship with ourselves, then we can really determine, you know, what is fulfilling? What do I need? What do I want? What's going to put gas in my gas tank and and leave me with some gas at the end of the day, uh, so to speak? And for me, when it comes to vocation, what is true and authentic to myself is it's in a place of service and in a place of really adding value to other people's lives. It's letting girls and women know that they are worthy and valuable and loved and those kinds of things. Like that is what drives me as a person. And because I've been able to get to know myself and really understand, yeah, like my own personal purpose in life, it makes it a lot easier when I'm looking at my job and I'm looking at next steps and going, okay, what is in alignment with who I am? And what's, you know, what kind of vocation is going to allow me to live a life that is just really full and leads ultimately to peace and happiness and those kinds of things. I think both of us could work in other spheres where we could be comfortable and we could make a certain amount of money that would provide for our needs, but there would always be something missing. You know, you mentioned knowing yourself, knowing what's in alignment with who you are. And a key part of who you are is there's this desire to help others know that they are loved. And I think that is so key because you're operating within your desires. And so you decide, I'm going to keep going. And, and I'm sure in that moment, maybe it felt like the deck was stacked against you. Maybe it felt like you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but you determined to do it. How would you encourage people who are kind of up against a wall, who don't know what direction to take that next step in, but know that if they don't do something, nothing's going to happen? How would you encourage them? I think my mindset at the time was definitely like, I'm going to give this everything that I have. And if I fail, at least I know that I failed trying and and giving it my all. I don't want to give up too too soon. But I think that my encouragement to other people would definitely just to be to believe in yourself first and foremost, because I think that sometimes we really doubt our own ability. But I really do believe that we have what it takes. And then lean on support and community and that sort of thing, of course. But I think that so much of it in my experience has come down to having the right belief and the right mindset around myself and what I believe I am capable of. There was a lot of disappointment along the way. There were a lot of closed doors. There was a lot of really hard things that I had to overcome or people that I thought would show up that didn't. But ultimately, I think when we can really just you know, believe in ourselves, love ourselves and say like, okay, I have set my my sight here. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to reach that. And I'm going to be proud of myself every step of the way. Like 
you'd be surprised what you're actually capable of in those moments where it feels like the world is crashing down and nothing is possible. Like, I think that's where true resilience and strength comes out. Yeah, it's in those moments where, you know, our backs are against the wall, where we can actually showcase, even if it's just to ourselves, our capabilities. We can do this. Mm -hmm. We are enough. Oftentimes, the only person telling you that you're not enough is you. You know, there are cases where you might have unhealthy friends or unhealthy family. I get that. But sometimes what holds us back is that inner voice. And we can listen to ourselves more than we talk to ourselves. When we should really be saying, no, the objective record is that you are capable. Look at all the stuff that you've done to this point. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned not giving up too soon. Recently, I was in Manhattan and I'm walking along the High Line. And I love the High Line. It's a great place, beautiful views. And the only thing that's weird is there are a ton of tourists basically in a bottleneck situation. But you walk by and it's like any other New York City park. There's all sorts of people trying to sell you things and they're trying to sell you art. And so I'm walking by and I see this beautiful, I mean, it looks like street art. You know, it's like a spray painted little girl holding a balloon. And it says, you may feel like you want to give up. What you really need to do is rest. Don't give up Mm -hmm. yet. And I think a lot of us, we're going full blast. We're moving as fast as we can, trying to complete our objective, whatever it is. And then when we start getting hit, hit with snags, we were like, oh no, I've got to quit. When maybe that's an opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sit a few plays out. I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to recalibrate and I'm going to get back out there. You know, you may need to take a week or two weeks or three weeks to just kind of get your head right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, getting back in there. And I, I feel like you did this in a way of coming back to who do I know myself to be? And what should I do in this moment? You weren't letting your issue, whether it be the pandemic or other issues that were connected to the pandemic, you weren't allowing that to call the shots. You were saying, no, I'm responsible. I am capable. What am I going to do? And I think that's where the mindset thing takes precedence. Like you, you're saying mindset matters. Tell me a little bit more about how you've shaped and grown your mindset in a healthy way that helps you deal with things like this. So I think for me, one of the things going back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, I think one of the most helpful things for me was finding a personal mission statement and really being able to hold that in my mind when times get tough. Because when we have something that we can refer back to and serve as that reminder of why we're doing something, often having the why is what can drive us in those really hard moments. And so that was something that I did during that time. And I think to your point, also valuing myself enough to step away in moments when I needed to, to rest and that sort of thing. But the personal mission statement for sure was something that I did. But I also 
really invested in myself during that time alongside all of the hustle and the hard work and everything. I was really investing in myself, listening to podcasts and reading and going to therapy and doing all those things to help figure out, one, what direction do I need to be moving in to to help me to really gain clarity, but to also just serve in my own personal growth and my own personal hearing and all of that stuff. Like I wasn't going to let that part of taking responsibility for myself rest when I was just because I was like fighting for my life a little bit. It was like it, it to me, like they go hand in hand. Like I still have to invest in myself in order to get the outcome that I want. And so those are some things that I was doing during that time as well. So there has been a self-care boom and For many, the word self-care can trigger like frustration. They'll be like, well, everything is self-care and this is self-care. And I remember sitting in a restaurant and hearing two people talk and they're like, what are you doing for your self-care this week? Well, I was watching Netflix, da, 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 da. And I'm not trying to judge people's self-care, but I think we have kind of, in some ways, we're in danger of taking the power away from our own rhythms of resiliency, our own rhythms of recharging like watching netflix for me does not recharge me streaming doesn't recharge me it's almost a time waster it's a distraction it keeps me from the things that do recharge me but going to a beach and watching the waters come in and out or sitting by a fire or lighting a candle and just sitting in the ambiance that can recharge me and so you talk about these two ideas you talk about the power of a personal mission statement and, and in a sense how that's connected to your integrity. And you also talk about mm-hmm. investing in yourself. I remember recently I had to wrestle with kind of my own core mission statement. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm capable of doing this on a daily basis. And I feel like I'm lying to myself. I don't feel like I'm living in alignment or an in integrity with who I am. And so I shifted my mission statement from basically this mission statement that was love everyone or all who are vulnerable. And I'm like, I just don't see everyone who's vulnerable all the time. But then I shifted it to love the person in front of you. Focus on the person in front of you. Be conscious with the person in front of you. And that has Mm -hmm. allowed me ample opportunities for growth because now I'm able to say, okay, like you're my mission right now. I'm going to be right, here. That's very doable. Yeah. Very super tangible. doable. Yeah. Very tangible. I can do this. And so with your yeah. mission statement, I kind of want to talk about that first. Did you experience that when you were like, I wrote a personal mission statement and it's doable, actionable, and I can get this done? So mine is something to the effect of, I feel like I exist to help others feel and to know their worth. That's the essence of it. And I think for me, even if it is still broad, like it's so directly connected to the work that I do in Romania that in those hard moments where I would ask myself, why am I doing this? Like, why am I on the phone again? Or why am I fighting at this dead end road? It would, that would bring back the passion. It would bring back, I'm like, you're saying like even just the integrity and those pieces to my mind to say like, okay, I get to do this. I get to serve a greater purpose. It's not just about me. Like I'm truly living out something that is beyond myself. And that's really going to give me the energy that I need right now in this moment 
to continue forward. And so knowing that it's about helping people heal and to know their worth, even after maybe a, a tough conversation or a disappointing conversation of like, no, we don't have funding for you or whatever it is, right? It's like, well, okay, then I'm just going to keep talking. I'm just going to keep searching. I'm going to keep going because I'm ultimately serving something greater than myself. And even if everything came crashing down, you could still do that. And you would not lose Mm -hmm. yourself just because you lost a job. No, exactly. Yeah. And I I think that's key. I think that's so incredible because no matter what, you still get to be doing what you do. Yeah, because this is something that I can carry with me anywhere and everywhere to your point, right? Like I can do this in my daily life with my friends with someone that I meet on the street, like how incredible is it to be able to speak a word of encouragement to someone or um, to sit with someone and give them your time and presence. Like that is still me living out my mission statement, whether it's related to the specific vocation that I have. And so that is very life-giving. And that is something that can continue to drive me even on the difficult days now. And to live out this personal mission statement, you have to invest in yourself because if you have no water in a well, you can't give to anybody else. And so do you ever have feelings of guilt when practicing resiliency, self-care or investing in yourselves? And what do you do with that guilt? I think I used to, um, not so much anymore. And I will say that my mindset around self-care has definitely changed. When I first started working in Romania, I mean, I was burning the candle at both ends and I was trying to do everything that I could to help these girls and, you know, just totally putting myself in a position that was not sustainable. And one of the things that I learned um, was that this idea that we are given of self-care, kind of what you were saying, whether it's TV or I'm just going to take a bubble bath, you know, those things are great, but there is no way that that is going to offset the difficulty that you're facing, especially when you are dealing with, you know, populations that have complex trauma and things like that. A bubble bath is great, but it is not enough to offset what I had dealt with that day. And so even this kind of idea of self-care, this kind of, it's almost like this fantasy of like, if I just do this one small thing, then it's going to make everything else better. And so I've really learned a lot and grown a lot in my understanding of self-care over the years because I quickly figured out like this is not helping me. But what does help me is having a daily routine, having a moment of of silence in the morning, maybe journaling or meditating or reading a book. It's maybe carving out the consistent small moment to do something for myself. It's taking the time to listen to that podcast or read that book because that's ultimately going to grow me and heal me and make me the best version of myself. And as I'm doing that, then I get to show up for these people even better and even more than I would have if I wouldn't have done those things. And to me, that is self-care. That is self-love, not, you know, the, you know, the five minute bubble bath or whatever, um, because it's great, but it's not, it's not going to create that sustainable change and support that we need, especially when you're working in these environments. Yeah, there's this idea of even if you're resting, you're resting and you're also being present. And kind of this resting presence 
versus distraction. A lot of us think self-care is just mm-hmm. distraction. But even if I go to a beach for a week or if I go for a long walk in a park, because you don't have to just think of this in terms of, you know, you work 50 weeks and then you take two weeks off for self-care. They should be rhythms. And so what are you doing daily? What are mm-hmm. you doing weekly? What are you doing monthly? What are you doing annually? You know, kind of having these rhythms where if I if I'm working a ton, I'm probably going to in this line of work, I'm probably going to burn out in about four months. So what would it look like to preemptively rest? And so maybe at the three month mark, I take four days and I go out somewhere and I sit in silence or I I have some close friends that recharge me, but they, they don't take energy, but they're the kind of people that like they're investing in me. Maybe. Maybe I do something like that, but yes, it's, I loved how you said focusing on daily routine helps you journaling, silence, listening to that podcast that helps build you up. You know, so many people I've talked to, even on this podcast have said, yes, silence helps me. Routines help me. Being able to kind of go to things that don't require much thought, but they're just kind of, this is what I do. These practices can keep us regulated in a way. They can, they can keep us focused on what's important, but they also don't distract us either. And I, I think we're so fueled by escapism. So many of us want to just, well, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm going to do the complete opposite. And then we go back to work and we wonder why we don't feel better. And that's where the guilt comes from as well, because we haven't actually rested and taken care of ourselves. So then we kind of feel guilty because like we just maybe like numbed out, we distracted ourselves, whatever. At least for me, I feel like that's when I felt the most guilty. Whereas when I can see it and it's through the lens of like, this is an investment like within myself and therefore an investment in my work and into these relationships and things. Like I'm not going to feel guilty for stepping away for four days or for a week here and there to really do something even larger, like to take a weekend trip or to go on that vacation, because ultimately it's an investment in myself. And without that, I can't show up for these other people. But if I'm just like wasting my time, or at least in my mind, if it feels like I'm wasting my time, that's where I start to feel like really guilty and have those feelings or or more negative feelings associated with it. Absolutely. And as I think about this conversation that we've had, it's kind of cool just the approach that you're taking because you started off saying it's important to know yourself, know your capabilities, know how you operate. Because when you know how you operate, you can apply that to your current situation. Your circumstances no longer get to dictate everything. You have this internal validation where you're saying, no, 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 no. I get to dictate how I respond to these stimuli. Like I get Mm -hmm. to dictate how I respond. And you asked yourself what's in alignment with who I am. I just think Mm -hmm. that is so, I mean, it, it shouldn't be new, but I think for many of us, it's very easy to let circumstances have the final say. When, and so many of us don't know who we are. We only know who we are in connection with a job or a relationship or our past. And we don't... Or even with the expectations of other people, right? Like those those societal expectations, so many things can 
can influence the decisions that we make about our lives, about our jobs, about everything. Um, and so, yeah, I think so much of it is really becoming your own friend and getting to know who you are. So important. And I think for many of us, we are our own friend, but we're our own jerk friend. We're that friend who's always saying a snide comment. We're that friend who's always saying something mean. We're always we're that friend who's always saying something sarcastic to ourselves. Like, you know, you do something and you're like, did I do a good yeah. job? And your own jerk friend side of you says, good job. You're like, well, did I do a good job or did I not? I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. and I think that's where mindset matters. And that would be like the second pivot mm-hmm. that you you took in our conversation is creating a healthy mindset. And to do that, you talked about the power of your own personal mission statement. And I think if mm-hmm. we know the direction that we're going, a mission statement kind of helps us know who we are. And a lot of times people will create personal mission statements that are aspirational rather than realistic. And I think we have to know, like, it's not who we want to be, but we need to accept who we are. What is it that we are actually about? What do we actually care about? Now, if we accept that and we don't like it, then we can change that. That is possible. But so many of us are like, well, my aspirational thing, that we don't even know it's an aspirational thing until we realize one day we're not doing the thing that we said that we were doing. And it's making us feel like phonies. It's making us feel fake. It's making us feel inauthentic. And I think it's so important to our own personal authenticity that, you know, we at least know who we are. And yes, mindset matters. And you also shifted to this idea of sustainability and how do we have rhythms of resiliency? And you mentioned daily routines and silence and being present with yourself. And I think when we do that, we're free to be present with other people. And so as we transition to the end of our time, what are three things that you could encourage our listeners with who are dealing with their own resiliency or who are questioning if it's even possible for them to make it to the other side? How would you encourage them? Yeah, I mean, I think I I really appreciated this conversation. (laughs) It's like exactly my heart. So I love it so much. But yeah, I would say that, you know, the first thing is that you really are worthy of the dreams, of the goals, of the aspirations that you have. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work out the way that you think. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an easy road, but like you are, you're worthy of those things or the things that have been put on your heart or in your mind. And so just to hold those close and to know that like you really are capable and you really are strong enough. You have what it takes within you to, to go after that. I think that again, it's just so important that we have that strong sense of self-worth. I feel like that's like my, one of my number one missions in life is to get that out. But yeah, I think also making, going back to a more practical thing would just be, you have to know where you're going. You kind of have to lay that groundwork and have that map saying, okay, this is, this is the goal. This is and like, figure out how am I going to get there? I think a lot of times to your earlier point, like we can have a lot of things that are very aspirational. They sound really great. But practically speaking, how are we going to get where we want to go? I think that's something that was really helpful for me during this time. And then lastly, like, of course, like, you know, 
Yes. Love yourself. Lean on yourself. Trust yourself. Trust your intuition, all of that stuff. But also don't be afraid to ask for help and to lean on community and the people around you either. That's so key because when we're going through hard times, it's very easy to isolate and to kind of push people away. But you're saying as important as it is to focus on yourself and understand who you are, it's also important to know that you have good people around you who can who can kind of help. They can make it a lighter lift. They can walk with you when you're going through this so that you don't have to do it alone. Exactly. Because, I mean, when you're walking through a very difficult circumstance and you're really having to lean into your own strength and your own resilience, I mean, those things are beautiful. But if you really think about it, it's also a little unfortunate that you're having to lean so deeply into those things. And so I think allowing other people to step in and just to be an encouragement or to just spend time with you, to get your mind off of it, to force you to rest, right? Take you out and do something. It was so great during that period of time when someone would be like, hey, like, let's go out. I mean, even if it was just to lunch or just to do something for the afternoon, but it kind of forced me to step away and, and get my mind on something else that can, yeah, when you're going through tough stuff, all we want to do is just focus on that and concentrate on that. But can other people can be very valuable um, and also just really serve as really good reminders of who we are. And that's the note that we end on, that other people are valuable and that they can remind us of who we are when we have forgotten. Courtney, thank you so much for being part of this. This has been a really good conversation. and. This was helpful to me as I'm reminded, yes, knowing ourselves and having people around us can help us carry on our mission. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. If you are interested in more conversations like this one, buy my book, Vulnerable Rethinking Human Trafficking. If you want bonus episodes as well as a plethora of other resources, become a paid member at lmpg.org for $10 a month. You will get access to our bonus podcast, More Mercy, where we dive deeper. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave MercyCast a five-star review. We want to hear from you. Email us at info at mercycast.com. Till next time, have mercy on yourselves and each other.